Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I'm joined by Chris Sherrod and Chris Legg. This is Reconstructed Faith. Welcome to the uh, Reconstructed Faith podcast. I'm Colson Lechner here with Chris Sherrod and Chris Legg. Uh, and today we're um, kind of backtracking a little bit um, in our definition series. We're tacking on to more information about truth and our definition of truth. Today, specifically, we're going to start off um, with some worldly theories or definitions on truth. So I'm going to throw it over first to Chris Legg. Chris, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how this kind of came up for you? And then we can jump into those theories that you've come across. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so I'm doing some research for a worldview conference seminar thing we're hosting here at the church. And um, I really want to focus, I want my talk to be totally about the nature of truth. And so I'm trying to unpack and dig into all these different ways of understanding truth and engaging with truth and because I think it's it's amazing to me that there is debate. Not There's not just debate about the nature of truth, which I can understand why that exists. There's there's debate about the reality of truth. And I, I, I truly kind of scratch... Uh, oops. I honestly kind of scratch my head. I don't mean to say truly in the sentence. I, I honestly kind of scratch my head in, in the midst of that all the time. And um, yeah, anyway, so I was doing some research and and have found that there's there's kind of depending on who you ask, of course, four or five, maybe six main theories on the nature of truth, what truth is. And I had heard these, but I didn't realize they'd been organized like this. And so I I was curious to hear what you guys thought and shared what you thought on each of these. So I'm going to throw it out and try to do it without any editorial to start, just kind of defining it and then let y'all, then let us kind of wrestle through it. um, Because I want you guys to have to deal with it like I did this way. So Mm -hmm. the first one, and the most traditional one is called the correspondence theory. In other words, truth is what allows you to experience, truth is, is the experience of what corresponds to reality. That that's what truth is. Truth is, is something that corresponds to reality. Okay, so let me, let me throw that one at you first. That's the correspondence theory for truth. Truth is what corresponds to reality. Go. Um, I agree. <laughs> well, I mean, again, it's so much of this, I think, is just logic where you just go, um, it, it, it's, if you were, if, if Colson were to say it's snowing outside right now here, right. outside our building, that's a truth claim. Right. About objective reality right now that we're, that we're in. And if we open the window or go outside and it's not snowing, it's just false. But if, if we go outside and it is snowing, then your statement is true. It's corresponding to reality. So, um, th- yeah. So it's pretty straightforward as okay. far as that. I mean, I, I would say that's pretty much true. Okay, good. Yeah, I have nothing to add. Is there a way that it gets twisted? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know the philosophers aren't done yet, right? Yeah, well, true. Um, okay. <laughs> um, you mean that corresponds to reality, that that statement does, that the philosophers aren't done yet? Sure. Okay, good. Okay, so the second one <laughs> is interesting. The second one is coherentism, meaning... Coherentism. Co- coherentism. And I'm, I'm not an expert on any of these. Um, this would have been a great one to, you know, call in my son, the philosopher, to, mm-hmm. to kind of dig into these more deeply. Because I'm, I'm familiar with what we talked about before, that the discussion of 
of um, epistemology, this, the study of what's knowable and the different sources of knowledge, and we discussed those. Um, but this is the, the nature of truth itself, and coherentism says um, something is true if it is rational, whether or not it actually connects to a sense of reality or not. Meaning, can you... So, so for example, they would have said, the coherentist would say, if Coulson says it's snowing outside... Is that coherent? Meaning, is it true from a coherent perspective? Um, and so this is an older school, almost rationalism mindset, as in one way of understanding it is, can we, does it make sense given the nature of reality itself more than just does it a statement of reality? Is it true in a, in a sense of connected to reality? Um, so if I, if I assert something, like if I say this person is guilty or innocent, what, what would we say? How would we together come to an agreement or, or based on certain rules of logic, whether or not that person was or not? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm having, I'm, I, 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 because of my acceptance of coherentism, I have a hard time not filing, I mean, of co- correspondence theory and coherentism, not filing them together. To me, it seems like one is they are both saying the same thing with just two different sources of information. But I don't, I don't know that that's actually accurate. So wait, did you just unpack correspondence theory? Or No, that was coherentism. So coherentism. How, do, how does correspondence theory... Is there an example? So of, course, you, you gave almost the exact right. correspondence theory. So, right, I understand that, that. The idea that that's the case. Okay, so what corresponds to reality and then something is true if it is rational. If it's rational, if it's logically sound. Okay. Um, and that's that's the argument. So so you would say, for example, correspondence theory, um, this, this is where it gets tough for me because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm such a rationalist that it's hard for me not to think of rational and reality as, as interchangeable right. terms. But so if you argued there's such a thing as justice, so could you could that be a correspondence theory? If I said there is such a thing as justice, then you would want to argue coherentism. Is justice coherent? Is the concept mm-hmm. of justice coherent? Can I make a truth claim about something that is coherent like that? And again, mm-hmm. I may be, I've still got to dig more into this. Somebody may be listening going, that's not the coherent theory. That's not exactly right. But I will tell you, watching several different people try to explain it, it was hard for me to delineate them. So this may be my limitations, but hard for me to delineate them because I think if something is rational, it is a description of reality. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, do y'all have any any? Y'all are stuck in the same place I am, yeah, probably because I'm the teacher and I'm I'm confusing it. Let me go ahead. No, I mean just thinking. Are they mainly talking about? non-physical things like love or numbers or you know what okay. i'm saying when when they say okay coherentism okay. is a belief is true in the case or to the extent that it coheres with the overarching system of beliefs in other words what we call true means it is coherent with all the other aspects of our belief so it must be stronger than merely consistent. It has to cohere a set of beliefs. When we so this is this is I guess I should come at it this way. What do we mean when we use the word truth? That's what's being described here. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. some people would say we're just using a statement that corresponds to reality. It's mm-hmm. snowing, or it isn't snowing. Coherentism says no, no. We're saying 
this when I call something true, what I mean is it coheres with my overall belief system. It works within my belief system that's already there. Um, it makes something that, that the whole system is coherent when I say something is true. That help at all? A little, but I still think then there's got to be something outside of my perception and your perception and Colson's perception that we can all three look at together. Right. Because something can totally make sense in someone's head, their reality that they've made up and would be consistent, but it doesn't mean that it's actually true. And I mean, it can have, it can have laws. I mean, you can have history, you can have, you know, Narnia or Middle Earth with all this history and all of this right. people and characters and stuff, but that, that isn't in line with reality. So that would be, I guess, the first view. But yeah, I guess I'm still struggling to figure out. There's got to be some standard that we can all three go. I see what you mean, or I again I see it too. If I if I'm saying something is true, what I'm saying is I believe it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's this one's going to focus on belief in some ways more than just truth. As in, I think coherentism. Again, I'm trying to wrap my brain around it myself, but coherentism is, is, is for the first one that talks about the fact that truth kind of comes from within. Okay. And that, that I'm making a statement of belief and, and I'm, I'm, I don't believe belief and truth are co- are correspondent. Um, right. They don't necessarily, they're not the same thing. Right. I can believe something that's not true and not believe something that is true. Um, in fact, let me give you the example that helped me understand that part of it. So if someone's, and, and I think this is, in my opinion, this is open and shut for the fact that the things aren't connected. So let's go back to the correspondence theory. If, if What if, what if Colson says, hey, tomorrow it's going to snow? Okay. Is that a true statement? And he believes it. Is it a true statement or a false statement? It's true subjectively that he believes it, but okay. we don't know yet. Right. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing they pointed out. If it, if it snows tomorrow, that's what makes that a true statement or a false statement. Mm-hmm. If I say it's going to snow tomorrow, whether I believe it's going to snow tomorrow has no bearing on whether or not it's going to snow tomorrow. If it snows tomorrow, that doesn't mean I knew it was going to snow tomorrow. It just means I believed it was going to snow tomorrow. You see the difference? Yeah. So I believed it wasn't knowledge. I didn't know it as some kind of truth that I know. It was a belief that I had that turned out to be true or could have just as easily turned out to be false. This is one of the debates we watched that I really appreciated was, was two guys arguing about, okay, would that be considered knowledge? No. Would it be considered truth? Well, in the correspondence theory, yes. Yeah. He accurately described reality. So what he said yesterday was truth, whether or not he knew it. And I like that because it points out how true is not something is true is not dependent on my knowledge or belief or anything like that. I think they're, I now think they're totally independent, truth and knowledge. And the goal is to, is to believe what is true. Like that's our, that becomes our goal. And I think everybody agrees with that. This is saying coherentism says when I say something is true, all I mean is it, it fits within my worldview. Um, it works in my worldview. I have to be careful with works because that's a different one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's a good definition of truth though. It's rational within my perspective. I don't think that's, I think that, that, that convolutes truth and belief. Yeah. Well, just because it, it can just immediately become what I want it to mean or, or so subjective. Could you like come at it from the whole idea that you were talking about last week about, um, or the week before last about believing that a donkey could speak? 
that whole that like that idea of worldview being like, well, it's not a rational thing if I don't believe that somebody is capable of making a donkey speak. And so, yes, because like then you're, I, I guess, looking at it from the worldview side of it again. It's coherent within my belief system that a donkey could speak. I just, or, think or is it still be... way off? So on Friday, this might be totally off. So okay. On Friday, we went. We were down in San Antonio, and we're walking around the Alamo, and um, there's tour guides and things like that. But I was thinking, <laughs> I don't know why this came into my head. What if a guy was walking around saying, "I fought in the Alamo, like I yeah. was at the battle, like I survived." <laughs> Um, come talk to me. Like, how would I go about, and I, again, have no idea how this entered my mind. Maybe I was picturing someone like dressing up and pretending. Yeah, right. Like, sure. But if he was really saying, no, no, really. No, really. I really was I, there. I really was there. Yeah. Like, how would I disprove him or how would I talk to him or what would I ask of him to prove to me that you actually were there? Like, what would convince me, you know, maybe he really, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many factors. Like, how could you be still alive? Um, how come this is the first time I've ever heard of you? <laughs> like, tell me what Davy Crockett had for breakfast the day yeah. he died. Like, I don't know what I would ask, but it was just, a, it was interesting that it was, I was thinking it would be a truth claim right? that anybody could make, but then there would be a certain set of, if I, if I wanted to actually talk with him and not just dismiss him as crazy, right? there would be a certain set of questions I would want him to answer to convince me or that I would try to use to disprove him if I already, if I believe that. So I don't know if that's related to that, but this could be a crazy guy who really, 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 really believed it and knew a whole lot of history right? and identified and maybe named himself as someone who you could say, yeah, the, that person was actually there. And we just thought he died, but actually, you know, yeah. you know. Do you remember how there was a Billy the Kid thing with that? Really? Do you remember watching I Young guess, Guns? Oh, yeah, yeah. And allegedly yeah. there was a guy for years and years who claimed he was Billy the Kid. Yeah. And and then he finally died and there were, to this day there's arguments on whether or not he wow. was Billy the kid like could, no one could prove it or disprove it there's no way for them to I mean you think nowadays maybe there'd be some DNA evidence but right. okay here's what strikes me as I was listening to this one explained part of why I struggled is because I think they're coming at it so if I read the, this technical definition a theory of truth true sentences are those that cohere with a specified set of sentences Someone's belief is true if and only if it is coherent with all of or most of their other beliefs. And again, they're saying when we use the word truth, what does it mean? And this is this is one of them, is this is what it means to just when I say something is true, is I mean it fits within my worldview. And I can see that people would use it that way. I just don't think that's what truth is. I think that's belief. Right. That makes sense? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I think, it, sa- I th- it sounds like we're splitting hairs, but I think it's a big distinction that I, I just, again, feel like one is clearly outside of me that we can both walk outside together. Uh-huh. And one is more like, well, this is just what I believe. And I can't, I feel like you couldn't get anywhere. Right. Well, it, seemed, it seems like that's your truth. Right. Right. Because yeah, if, if, it, if it fits within your belief system. Right. That is what we've been talking about Again, as far as... as a psychologist, I totally can understand that as the psychological definition right. of truth. But like, which I just think the, is belief. Right. So it, you, yeah, you could a have weird. a largely coherent set of beliefs that are false. Yeah. And I think if I say that, that means I don't buy the coherence right. theory. 
I think coherence is important. I think my beliefs should cohere. And if they don't, that may reveal a falsehood in my beliefs. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think rationality and coherentism is a valuable tool. <clears throat> but here's what's wild. Here's what struck me, by the way, as we keep going through this. When other people use the word truth, they don't mean what I mean. Like, not even close. Right. And at a fundamental level, they apparently don't mean what I mean. So here's the third one. The third one is the one that scares me probably the most out of all of them, and that's pragmatism. Now, I knew about pragmatism as a philosophy. I didn't understand. I guess I did not realize that pragmatism was considered under the heading of truth. Mm -hmm. And what what is meant by truth is something that works. Um, If it works, then it's true. And, And that was one of the definitions. That's what pragmatism is. Um, it's true if it is effective, if it, if it is useful and that's, that's how you would evaluate truth is whether or not that it worked, whether or not it fit, whether or not it, it happened the way it's supposed to happen. And that again, struck me as, I mean, I always think pragmatism is wildly dangerous, but okay. Curious on y'all's thoughts. Well, even you said it happened as it's supposed to happen already. That sounds like there's a purpose behind it, which I know <laughs> that's there would be. It does what I wanted it to do. Right. I just feel like, again, you're going to end up with power of who gets to decide what works for them. Because you could argue a lot of, you know, dictators, it was working for them. Right. Or molesters or, I don't know, just selfish people. Maybe it works for you. But it doesn't mean that it's right. And now we get another word. <laughs> There's a real right or real wrong. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's, it, that's an interesting thing that it is like a theory of truth. Yeah. If it works, then it is true. That true beliefs are accepted at the end of an inquiry. Say or, that again. True beliefs. Mm-hmm. They, are, they are accepted. We, des- we, we decide something is true when we see whether or not it works. And what struck me about this one is, is it, it struck me as fascinating from our perspective when we're talking about deconstructing your faith or reconstructing it is this seems like it could be a dangerous path of reconstruction that you say, man, my, my faith has failed me. I don't think it's true. This difficult question has called me to walk away from God, but man, I really miss the community. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep holding on to this because I think it's psychologically healthy for me. Or it makes me happier to be this. The and statistics say I'll live longer. Yeah, if I'm a part exactly. Of it. Much, much less like, you know, that there. And one of the things I told said we need to talk about at some point is, uh, is religious capital, mm-hmm. is community capital, and and so we can actually take a second and, and discuss that. I don't know if you have heard this idea, but it's the idea that people tend to believe. It's this is a pragmatic argument. People tend to believe what gives them the most capital within a community. And so whether or not you put a fish on the back of your car probably has a lot to do with where you live. Yeah. Um, whether you name your company Christian something mm-hmm. or, or whether you have an ichthus on your sign or you whatever. And the, the, the argument is that that has nothing to do with someone's beliefs beyond the fact that, well, in this community, being a Christian is worth a certain amount of capital. Mm-hmm. And it gains me something to be a Christian, or it gains me something to confess Christianity. And that's yeah. it's weird in Tyler. You know, the, every every place you face a different thing. In Tyler, Texas, where we are, the main risks or the main problems we face in regards to our faith and the Christianity probably is not atheism or naturalism or agnosticism. At least not right around here. 
it is cultural Christianity or even worse, congregational Christianity. Like I'm a, I'm a Christian because I live in Tyler and my name and I'm named after a disciple or um, I'm a Christian because my, my uncle paid for the fellowship hall at the church, like that, that type of reasoning. And it's, it's rampant here. And I think that's a pragmatic version of Christianity. Mm-hmm. It, wor- it works. And probably what's happening then too, for a lot of deconstructing people is it's getting more and more costly. Exactly. And so that, that, that reason for sticking with it is diminishing or, and in the same way, a lot of people don't go to church anymore because they get burned by yeah. people in the church. Right. And that's why, I mean, there are so many passages about how to get along. Like there's so much time where Paul yes. is trying to explain, bear with one another, forgive, rebuke, you know, like all that stuff. Because the to me, the pragmatic thing is, well, I'll be in your community as long as you make me feel good or mm-hmm. yeah. don't confront me or don't call me out or don't do anything I don't like. Right. Which is the way people feel, feel about a lot of But that makes sense. Yeah. It, it, if it doesn't, co- it's, if it's not costing me anything, if it works, like I'm getting the friends that I want, my job is not in jeopardy. Right. It works. Yeah. Especially if it works in my favor. Exactly. Then, then it's great. And I think, I mean, in all of this, coming from my Christian worldview, I would say the underlying wrong assumption with probably most of these is going to be we're all naturally good and we want good mm-hmm. things for the community and for other people and we're willing to sacrifice for it. And I just think that the Bible teaches that we're pretty pretty selfish and just yeah. want to do what we want to do. And if mm-hmm. it works to get along and be right. nice to you because of the payoff for me, then I'll do it. But I'm not doing it for the right reasons. I'm doing it. And again, I just think that's, it's the idea of communism that like, it sounds great. Like we all are sharing. We're all, yes, equally, that's, yeah. we'd all love to. And it's like, you don't know people like you, do you, <laughs> right. that's the yeah. only thing you always say, if you met you like yeah. that, you just, that's the number one flaw right away with communism. You just go, yeah, we're going to voluntarily all give up for the good of everybody. <laughs> right. You know exactly. What I mean? Yes. So that's part of the problem with, Pragmatism, I guess. Yes. I think, so that's what strikes me is I think there is something intriguing about pragmatism mm-hmm. as a, as an ugly explanation for things, mm-hmm. but, but not as a standard for truth. Yeah. Um, certainly not. And this is part of what they're connected to, not moral truth. It's not true just because it, it's not morally right. Right. Just because it works. Um, but I, I think when people, so part of this, there's a jadedness in here that as, as I listened to different people and experts, alleged experts talk about this, they often would talk in terms of, this is what people mean when they say it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's, sure, that's fine. I, I get that people mean that when they say it, but is that therefore make it what it is? And I'm, I still came back to the correspondence theory of, but is it connected to reality? I mean, is it is it right? We need a word that means that. <clears throat> that word is truth and continues to be truth, and you've not talked to me off the fact that some people mean other things than that, when they say truth, I just think that means they're wrong when they're defining it. Anyway, mm-hmm. okay, this one was the most fun for me. I'm curious to hear what you guys think about that, and this is called the deflation, deflationism, and that is that the word truth doesn't mean anything. The word itself, now this is, that isn't that there isn't such a thing as truth, it's just that truth is a nonsensical concept. The whole argument was this, to assert whatever and to say that thing is true is to say the same thing. So if I say it's snowing outside or if I say it's true that it's snowing outside, that's the same thing. 
And so all we mean when we say truth is it's like a it's like a verbal term that we use. It's just a term that doesn't actually mean anything in and of itself. We're just we're just describing what we think what we think is accurate and so we're saying it and it doesn't actually mean anything. And then anytime you could say is this man guilty or innocent for example, if I say oh the truth is he's innocent, I could also just say he's innocent. And I would mean exactly the same thing. Therefore, the word truth doesn't actually mean anything. It's just a placeholder word. So give me your thoughts so, on that but, one. So why is it called deflation? I think it's because it has to do with deflating the significance oh, okay. of the word truth. Of the word truth. Recognizing it's a, it's, a non, it's, a, it's a non-meaning word. It's a placeholder word. It doesn't mean anything. Hmm. But if you were to ask them, like they wouldn't, give a definition of truth in general, they wouldn't give a blanket, like a, a vague anything. Like mm-hmm. if you were to say, so what is truth? They would go. Yeah, it doesn't, it, the word truth itself, the concept of truth doesn't mean anything. It's just a, a verbal, a it's just amen. A, yeah, exactly. It's, it's something like that. It's a, it's, a, it's using the word like over and over again. It's a, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a, it's a placeholder word to say, to say something is true or just to say the thing is to say the same thing. And so truth, their argument is truth doesn't, the concept of truth, the word truth doesn't mean anything. It's just the way we talk. It's a, it sounded to me like a nominalist argument, meaning truth only has significance in name only. Um, anyway, so here's the problem. You ready for the answer to this one? There was really one guy who, we, who, who my son and I, as we were looking at this, we kind of loved this guy because he was, we, when we looked him up, I'll, I'll, I'll share his name another time after I know him better, but. Um, is he then said the problem with deflationism, the main problem with deflationism is then why do we care so much about truth? Like we're literally in the process of describing an entire scientific and philosophical realm of a heading that apparently means nothing and has no meaning. Right. Like that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. If, if it has no meaning, why are we talking about it? And he really undermined the deflationist argument, even though he actually likes the deflationist argument in some ways for some understanding. He also says, he says, so to statement, this guy's guilty or the truth, this guy is guilty are both the same thing. He agreed with that. And then he said, why should I care whether he's guilty? What difference does the concept of guilty and innocent make to me? Why is that a big deal to me? Truth has not lost its inflated place in our minds and hearts. Yeah. And so, it was a, there was a really good a really good um, short podcast that was called the mystery of truth or the treasure of truth that I, I looked up and it talked about well if deflationism sounds great but the problem is then why is it a treasure why do we care so much about it why do we work so hard to get it you said the treasury of truth I don't I don't remember the exact language it was, it was like the treasure of truth was the idea um so it was intriguing to as they described some of these. Very quickly. Then, then the fifth one. Any other thoughts on that one on deflationism? I don't. To I don't be honest, so. I'm just sitting, okay. kind of sitting here with my w- mouth wide open. Like, uh. <laughs> thankfully, I'm taking some notes. Hopefully, I can think about it. A little exactly bit more. right. And this is this is I would encourage people. To, but it was again. I, I said this right before the podcast, talking to these guys. But I, I really get. Uh, the right word isn't my feelings hurt. I just get disappointed sometimes when I'm like, oh, I, oh, sweet. There's like six different perspectives on what truth is and these deep thinking philosophers. And I know sometimes that just means I don't understand it. 
And I'm, I'm more than happy for that. And that if I was able to sit down with one of the guys who espouses this or one of the women who espouses this, they'd be willing to explain to me in such a way that I would go, oh, okay, well, now that, I understand where you're coming from. But watching several things and reading several things, I just, I, I had a hard enough time even expressing them as we watched as I struggled through the coherentism one. Fifth one, of course, is nihilism, which is nothing is true. In fact, a little bit of nothing is, nothing is anything or Everything is nothing. Um, and this one is the phrase we only, like the, the phrase that kept coming with it is we only know things through our brains and therefore truth is entirely an invention of the human brain. Um, relativism is a part of that, um, that argument. There, can, there may be truth, but we can't ever know what it is. That's relativism because I can only receive it through my my senses through my brain. You said relativism is truth may be out there, but we can never really... We could never know what it was because it's relative to each of our perspectives. Um, the man arguing for that one talked about how visual illusions, how if I put an illusion on a piece of paper, I can look at it two different ways and it looks very different. That's proof of how I can't know what is true because of that. Because... The, the paper doesn't change, but my, my recognition of the paper changes, which proves that we're relativists. Thoughts? I just think even that illustration, you, you use the words, it's an illusion. And so we, we're, we're agreeing on something like that we can see, like we can figure it out <laughs> and we can talk about it. And so it actually has meaning. Like it's not just, <laughs> right. if we were all like, I have no idea how that's, but if, the, I don't know, it just seems... Yeah, amazingly, Chris. You, so the guy who I referenced a second ago, who is who was so seemed seemed brilliant in his responses. Again, okay, I'll say his name now. I'm hesitant because I don't know what else this guy has done. We literally yes. watched him in one debate. So we're not endorsing him right now. No, at this stage, not at all. It's a guy named Raymond Raymond Tallis. I think it's T A L L I S. And he was in a debate, and the guy brought up the illusion. First of all, the guy said, "You know." We can only know we can only know things through our brains, and therefore, you know, truth has to be at best relative and maybe non-existent. And his first question was, "I'm curious where you come up to the with the statement we can only know things through our brain." I was like, "I'm curious how you know that to be true. How do you know that as a statement of truth that we can only know things through our brain? Especially if you can only know things through your brain, how you could possibly come up with that as a truth?" He really undermined the nihilist argument because the nihilist argument is constantly undermining itself. That's one that we're all comfortable with. We've all, if you're in the apologetics world at all, you've heard, you know, there's, there's, there is no such thing as truth is a statement of truth. It is a self-refuting statement. That's, that's not unfair critique critique. That is absolutely appropriate critique. Right. It's not, you're not being sneaky or being witty (laughs) or whatever. I think the difference is most people, you either know, you either can recognize you're making a self-refuting statement or you just don't. But everybody makes truth claims. Right. They just you, you might realize that you're making one or you might not. Like, that's a claim. <laughs> right. That, that nihilism is a claim about right. truth, the, the nature of truth. And they expect, and here's the thing, too, is they expect me to see it their way. Right. Like, that's, that's what they're arguing. That's why even just arguing about morals and relativism stuff anyways is silly because if there is no truth and there are no morals, then... Yeah, why are you but talking? Why are you talking? And <laughs> but you're actually trying to convince me right. to see it your way, which implies there's something that you think I can see too. Right. It's not it's just outside. true for you, it's also true right. for me. Right. Because you're trying to convince me of it. Right. Um yeah, the guy the guy when the guy said, um, 
he used the visual illusion concept. So there, I'm paying you the compliment of that's exactly what this brilliant. clearly brilliant guy said oh, wow. was he was like, okay, but you're calling it an illusion, which means you know it's it's an illusion, that it's not pre- expressing reality in some certain way. How do you know it's an illusion yeah. unless you know what is reality? Yeah. And so he summarized the, he quoted somebody else and said, counterfeit coins imply a real coin. Mm-hmm. If you call it a counterfeit coin, you must be comparing it to something that's not a counterfeit coin, or you wouldn't have the concept of counterfeit at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that is a significant, I, I'm very comfortable throwing out nihilism, but the idea, I was intrigued by the fact that nihilism at least partially came from the idea that we can only know things through our brains. That doesn't feel, that doesn't feel all that nihilist, nihilistic or right, nihilistic like to me. Like, it's like, cause you can, you can well, still I'm, know something. a brain, like even right, the right, statement right. brain is there for, by the way, I don't know where my diplomas are, but wherever they are, I have a photo of my brain. Behind my Aggie diploma. Well, I can't see it. I know it. So I wanted proof. Well, because <laughs> I, I can't see it. It is not reality to me. That's exactly right. You can't see yours either, which means this you're you're straying away from what I said. <laughs> <laughs> that we 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 can know things, and I think so. Here's what's interesting. Okay, so I got to go back. I think what's interesting about coherentism and the rational argument is I think that, as we talked about a few weeks ago, that is a source of truth. Like when we talked about epistemology, rational thought, coherent thought is a source of truth or is a source of falsehood. Like we just said, if you hold a a belief that is not coherent with your other beliefs, it means at least least one of them is not Right. right. So if I say, and this is where people struggle, if I say, God is benevolent and all loving, then somehow the idea that he is allowed suffering on this earth has to be coherent with my whole belief system. If I can't find a way to make those coherent, then I have a problem. One of those two things, either he doesn't allow suffering or he isn't benevolent, is going to have to change unless I can show how they are coherent, that a loving person could let someone suffer. How is that coherent? And so I, I agree with coherentism as one of the tools for knowledge. Pragmatism, I think falls, really pragmatism and empirical evidence fall closely together. Mm-hmm. When I say, I find evidence for it, I can do it over and over again. It functions, it works. Um, this You'll be interested to know, especially Chris Sheard, you'll be interested to know, they kept filing um, evolutionary thought under pragmatism, meaning it answers the questions, it works. And I was like, I feel like that's more rational than it is pragmatic. Like, they're making a rational argument. This could lead to that. Therefore, it must be right. Right. Um, I don't know how, how much evolution works. I mean, it leads to the destruction of millions of species and could mean human beings could easily evolve into non-existence someday. Like, uh, all it takes is one competitor to compete us out and we're done. And I don't know how well you can say that that works in and of itself. Um and again, remember, I'm the one who has no problem with evolutionary theory. And so, I, but to say it works, I'm not, I'm not sure I go with that. Um, but he, in def, the only one that I thought was fascinating, I'd wanted to study further was deflationism in that. And I, that was more psychological. What do I mean when I use the word truth? Right. Do I mean anything by that? Or is it like so many politicians who's like, I tell you, the, I tell you the truth. <laughs> like, so you're about to lie to me. So what's, what's about to happen? Honestly, <laughs> you may be honest, honestly, like, no, if you were being honest, you probably wouldn't need to say honestly. Right. That's a. But beyond that, mm. I I didn't I didn't find a lot of value except in their refutations 
I did love the thought you said snow of the it will it will snow tomorrow it will rain tomorrow conversation and how significant that is to understanding that truth and knowledge are they should be interdependent maybe they're interdependent but they're independent and that that proves it the fact that I could buy a lottery ticket and believe I'm going to win and but that belief has no bearing on whether I'm going to win right mm-hmm. if I do win that makes my statement I'm going to win True. True. Okay. If I don't win, that just means it was a belief. And my belief didn't change in either one of those. I believed that was going to happen. I was either right or wrong. Wrong means it wasn't true. Right means it was true. Mm-hmm. And that just and in my mind, that absolutely jumps back to the correspondence theory. Truth is what corresponds to reality. Because mm-hmm. anything in the future, <clears throat> I mean, you just don't know. And right. so it can always be, yeah. And I, I think, too, that's the reasoning that God gives, like in Isaiah, with all the false gods, where he talks about fulfilled prophecy, where he goes, go and call your gods out here and let them tell the future, and <laughs> right. then we'll know. And then we'll right. be able to see that they're actually gods, and where God actually makes that claim of himself, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is to come. So that's actually, he's inviting them to prove that their statement is true by, I guess... It happening. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So why, because I, I know that it's important for us to look at things like this, worldly definitions or worldly theories. Why would you guys say it's important for us as Christians and for our listeners who are engaging with either working with the faith that they have or right. reconstructing their faith, dealing with these theories? Why is it important for us to to think about this and to engage with these kind of theories. Oh, I don't. I just wanted to talk about no, it. No, no, I love it. I <laughs> no, mean, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's what Chris already said, that you have to define what you mean. You can't assume that when I throw out this word, yes. you mean the same thing. When I say Christianity is true, right? I mean it in the correspondence sense, yeah. or someone mm-hmm. can mean it in, in the pragmatic sense, Yes, or true for you, doesn't mean it's true for me. And so, again, that's where, I mean, it's it's, it's not rude or helpful just to go, mm-hmm. so just so we're on the same page, what do you mean by true? Like asking someone yes. else. Because it's the same thing with faith that people think that sincerity and truth therefore go together, and that doesn't mean your your faith is right. You can right be thing. sincerely wrong. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that's I, I, that's a big part of it for me too. Is I think you need to know the vocabulary, and 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 even for me, it's just been huge as I when I research a topic like this to realize. I now realize I've been in conversations with people and you could, the two of us could not have deconstructed our, using that word, our conversation down to the lowest common denominator until we, you know, shrink, 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 shrink. And what we would have discovered was at the most basic fundamental connection to reality level, we weren't on the same page. Right. And so, you know, we're, we're debating, you know, we're, we're debating some conversation that's 900 levels above where our disagreement is. And so how do you have a reasonable conversation about whether a statement is true or not with someone who thinks, for example, truth is dependent upon your your belief system? Well, does it work within your belief system? That's very arrogant and disconnected to say, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, what I'm doing is sitting and judging you on whether the coherence of your belief system. And I realized a conversation I'm having with a guy online uh, on email back and forth. That's what this is. What what we're having is I'm challenging him that his belief system is not coherent. 
and he's challenging me that my belief system isn't coherent. I don't think that's a waste of time if I can poke holes in his boat and it starts sinking and he realizes, okay, this isn't coherent. I need something better. But he actually has said, I'm not trying to convince you that what I believe is true. I just don't want you to think I'm an idiot. And I'm like, okay, one, I don't think you're an idiot. I, and, and two, I am trying to convince you that what I'm saying is true. Like, I don't care if you think I'm, I'm an idiot. Like, I'm not worried about that. I just want you to see that there is a standard of truth. There are things that are true. Again, every, every other one of these offers you no guidance. Truth offers you no guidance. In the coherence theory, it's just, in, it's just circular thinking. Does this belief fit with what my belief already was, which fits with what my belief already was? And that's that seems like super dangerous and what everybody's doing. I mean, this is cognitive dissonance. I don't want to no, no, this is this is how I this is where I go to church, so it must be true. This is this is how I voted, so I must have been right, or this is how my parents did, and so I must have and and that's I think coherentism is actually keeps people from doing the healthy version of deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, for all of us our listening world included, should ask <laughs> themselves, do I think that is what I believe objectively true? Like, what do I think? Do I think my beliefs are true just because I believe them? And right. Have I ever thought about this? Like, because that's what's going to happen is people are going to realize, oh my goodness, yeah, that was just the way I was raised. Or I just, I thought Christianity is true because there's more of us doing the believing. Or yeah, or it's, it's like I said before, the example of, people saying that well, Christianity is true because I believe it's true. And that doesn't make something true though. It, it's just, it's just, it tells you something about you. That's, that's nice to know, but that doesn't all of a sudden mean that it's true. So I think that's important for everybody to ask. Do, do you I think, think this is, do you think it's fair, Chris, that thinking about truth any other way is going to f- eventually fail you? Well, I think I was trying to think back. You'd mentioned mere Christianity. One of Lewis's first arguments is actually the moral argument for God's existence right? in that, but what he talks about is people reveal what they actually believe sometimes by the words they say. Right. Like they would say there, there's no real right and wrong, but then they'll say things like, that's not fair. I was here first. You shouldn't have right. said that. Right. So you listen to what they say. But I really think if you watch how most people live, even though it sounds good in philosophy, most people live with this reality-based understanding of truth. Like it's cold outside, so I... I will put a on, a on a jacket right. or I will, you know, it's not an illusion that those cars on the other side of the road are going this way. I'm actually, I believe they are. and I'm going to stay over on this side. Right. So I think that all of those, again, we can philosophize about them, but are they livable? Like, would you actually live them out and how long right. would they actually work? And so that's part of what I guess that we're saying is Christianity is objectively true. Right. And it's consistent with reality and it, it does work. Right. Um, but I just think that a lot of people, because that's what he says in, in, in his mm. book. He says, the guy who says to you, um, he might break his promise to you, but as soon as you break your promise to him, he'll say, you know, that's not fair. Right. Or you can say Jack Robinson, I think is the word he uses. <laughs> right. Um, but anyways, that's just, again, where people reveal what they actually believe in their in their response to being wronged or just in how they live their life. Like a someone who would say that all, you know, this is all just uh, an illusion, probably still wear their seatbelts or brush their teeth. Right. Because they believe there really are consequences externally to what they think. Like they, they, 
they go walk, try to walk through doors, not walls. You know what I mean? <laughs> so again, I just think it sounds good to have all these conversations, but when it comes down to it, if you start giving practical examples of how you live, what's I think most people actually just have that assumption. I actually think after after digging through these, and even this conversation has helped me wrap my brain around a little bit, is that while the, all these have turned out to be are at best ways of evaluating truth, but they're not truth. It's not whether or not it works, whether or not it's empirically repeatable is a way of evaluating truth, but it's not the only way to know truth or evaluate it. Same thing true with something is coherent or rational. Should my beliefs be coherent and rational? Yes. That that's I think that's very, very, very important. Does that prove that they are true? No. I think I think probably most schizophrenics have a rationally coherent, at least in their own mind, it makes sense right. in their head. That doesn't make it true. And and it would be even when we would guess at it, it's either true or false. I'm not saying we can always know what is true or false. Like uh, I'm thinking about the the whole you know, we're, we're actually just digital creations in a, in a sim simulations from some time in our own future. Like, is, is there a coherence to that way of thinking? I think there is. It's either true or it's false, and then we can evaluate it based on whether or not it corresponds to reality. And that's what we're trying to do. So, so people who are listening to this understand when we're talking about reconstructing faith, we, we, we are encouraging you to Build a faith based on truth and reality, not based on your community, not based on, although they may be right, your community may be dead on, and leaving your community can be incredibly foolish, or it can be the right decision. And we, we couldn't ever make that call from a podcast. But I think, I think recognizing this is what we're talking about, and it is, it's okay to evaluate things based on, is it, is, does it correspond to reality? Um, and so that's a, Anyway, I just I feel like so much in my heart of when I hear people talk about deconstructing their faith, they're tearing something down that was not worth keeping, and they're not replacing it with anything, and they're just they're just now stuck with nothing, or with something that's so pathetic that it doesn't create a worthwhile life. And our our hope for you, I hope for those of you who are listening, is especially if you're in that position of deconstructing your faith. That, that you'll do that in an in a intentional and guided way, not just as a reaction. Um, and then that gives you tools. So I, 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 when I think of deconstruction, I know we talked about the underwear drawer model, which I, I think works well, but also the idea of, of if you're deconstructing something, it's like if my kids are deconstructing the building they made out of Legos, you don't throw away the Legos. I mean, you just, some of the Legos are really good. You need to use those when you rebuild something different something that's founded on truth. When you discover something that you grew up with wasn't founded on objective reality, then you probably do need to dismantle that, but don't leave it dismantled. And I think that's a big part of what we're passionate about for yeah. this. And I think the hard thing too is it's it takes some effort. It takes some mental sweat. Like you have to realize what's at stake or that this is a serious issue because a lot of people early on in our conversation I might have already tuned this out going like, Oh, we're just talking about truth. Like we're defining that's so yeah, up there, but it's like, no, this is really foundational. Like yeah. you need to be able to, to think this through and not just have it spoon fed to you. Yeah. And, I, and I do think too, what you said about being disappointed with a lot of naturalists or skeptics or whatever, as I think a lot of those people just haven't been grounded in logical thinking or haven't yeah. gone very deep either. And, but then they haven't been challenged enough by 
by believers saying like, yeah. oh, let's let's unpack that a little bit. Or or they're not. We're going to talk about in our next. Uh, I don't know if it'll be our next, as in next time you listen. Yeah, but, but another point, another time is we're going future. to talk about the idea of of kind of the psychological effect of the weariness that people can feel on any side of an argument, or or the desire to protect themselves, the cognitive dissonance, the need to protect themselves, and so um, we'll unpack that as well. Because I think a lot of a lot of Christians and non Christians are facing some of that stuff right now. A lot of believers and unbelievers are facing a sense of man, what. Like you said, maybe they're giving up on a podcast like this because it's just it's just hard. It just seems hard. I don't want to think about all this stuff. You know what? I want to watch another 45-second cat video instead. So <laughs> not there's anything wrong with that. But anyway, yeah, this, this conversation's hard and it's deep. I know, we know it is, and that's why we want to encourage you with it. Yep. Stay encouraged. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up, trust God, search for answers.